0: A lot of the engineers and scientists said, well, evolution disproves everything about God and um, who needs God, and, and science is the answer to everything, um, when that's just not true. And so having those conversations with my friends and colleagues is what really got me into it, because I didn't know how to have that conversation. So I started to um, just, you know, I would encounter the question, I would get so frustrated because I, was, I don't know how to answer that in a way that they will understand. And so I'm having to back up and read through those things. This is, this is, this is
1: Let's be honest, talking about our faith, it can get hard sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in the world. But now the world will have to get caught up in us. We're here to talk about it. We're here to talk about our real faith. We're here to talk about the real God. For unapologetic apologetics everywhere, welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. It is an honor and a pleasure to be with you today. Um, I have a really fun person uh, to bring on board. Her name is Catherine Buse. Uh, I met her maybe one or two years ago when we were doing a, a grassroots, we're preparing for a grassroots apologetics event in Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville's a really neat place. Uh, north Alabama is really neat. I'm, I'm more from uh, central Alabama. Uh, there's like north Alabama, central Alabama, and what we call L.A., which is lower Alabama. And Catherine, of course, uh, was somebody that I met. And boy, what an interesting person she was. And we actually roped her into writing an article for for us at Tactical Faith, uh, if you want to read it on TacticalFaith.com. I found out she was born in Birmingham, Alabama. She attended the University of Alabama in Huntsville. Uh, she had a bachelor's and a master's degree in industrial engineering. Uh, she worked like 10 years in the engineering field supporting uh, you can find this on her website at defendthefaithministry.com. I'm reading it right off of her website. Uh, she was supporting Department of Defense of missile programs, uh, commercial rocketing manufacturing, and NASA design programs. Um, I'm she's just like my wife. I love meeting women uh, that are in you know probably male-dominated fields. And to be honest with you, probably did really well in those fields uh, of course my wife's a physician and of course I love telling people that she's more successful than I am so when I meet somebody that I'm really impressed with and not only that she was just a good person um, I was more interested at the time of, of wanting to know what her background was and and what it was like to work at NASA uh, but the more I started talking to her her passions really were in the area of apologetics uh, so we found a kinmanship right there uh, she taught at schools. Uh, she did a two-year stint at a Christian school teaching apologetics, and I just now found out that she's even been overseas to teach apologetics. Uh, so, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for that uh, beautiful introduction. I appreciate that. That's very sure. really flattering. And, thank you.
1: And we'll go. We'll have stuff in our in our in our um, in our notes or podcast notes. Um, uh, but for those, again, you want to go to defend and we'll cover the book that you have out that's on Amazon. But first tell me a little bit of what got you passionate about, uh, the study of Christian apologetics.
0: Well, I think it was just, um, kind of the school of hard knocks in some ways that I had to, um, I had to just learn it on my own path, dealing with, um, friends and skeptics and colleagues who, um, needed more than just me to quote scripture to them for them to understand the truth of Christianity and and I think being in the field that I was in that was um, a common question that I got is how could somebody that knows science and is and smart about it and um, why would you ever believe in some religious dogma and you know who who could believe that there's a God when science disproves all of this stuff and so I had become a Christian at a young age and I grew up in a in church in a strong Christian home and so. I knew what I believed, but being able to articulate that to somebody who's coming at it from a totally different place, I really wasn't prepared for. I mean, it's especially at my age, back back in those days, right? And still, sadly, still in the church, we, we teach the youth a lot about. Um, here's the scripture and walk the Romans road and tell people that they're a sinner and talk about reconciliation and propitiation and all these big churchy words. But if you don't have that same um, foundation that there is a God and that God of the Bible is true, um, it sounds like a lot of nonsense. And and we know that it is that it is true, that it is valid, and it's for very, um, you know, strong evidential reasons. So we need to be able to, to translate that into um, a language that other people understand and um, kind of like what you pointed out that I, I was overseas last year and and when you go overseas on a mission trip or as a missionary or, or anything you know you have to learn the language I'm not granted mine was just for a short trip so I didn't have to learn a whole new language for that but you know when you do go abroad um, you have to learn to speak their language um, otherwise your message is lost somewhere because because you're talking past one another but it's the same thing when you're dealing with somebody um, who's an atheist or who just has a different worldview, you might be speaking the same language as far as English or Russian or Spanish or German, um, but you're, you're coming at it from a totally different perspective. And so you have to put it in the terminology and in the, the way that they might understand. And, um, and we've seen that across the board from, um, from the, the age old apologists who, who have come to faith through, through different arguments for the existence of God you know what worked for Mortimer Adler was different for what worked for CS Lewis which is different for what um, for Robbie Zacharias of how they could understand how we know the God of the Bible is true and so that that was kind of the problem I was running into that here I had all this church vocabulary but when you're talking with somebody who doesn't think there's a God um, how do you how do you bridge that gap so mm-hmm.
1: um, you come from a, from an interesting background in terms of engineering. Tell me a little, and I, I remember our first conversation. I I think when I came home, I, I told my wife, I said, it's so fun uh, to talk to people that used to have like high level defensive clearance, right? Like that's the one thing. With, <laughs> but I can tell that you I, that
0: if I did, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I
1: just thought that was so fun. Uh, but your world uh, in engineering and both in your training and your ten years in supporting these missile contracts and NASA um, were you were you interested and passionate at, at about with apologetics then or was that something that happened after that?
0: No, I think that's what got me into it because then I started encountering um, you know people in college and I guess it really started in high school, um, mm-hmm. but but definitely in college and, and coworkers that I had in that field. Um, you would find you would find both ends of the spectrum. So there are a lot of great scientists and engineers that I worked with that saw clearly that um, the evidence of design points to a creator, um, that they believe strongly in the God of the Bible and that Jesus really is the Son of God. But then you had on the other hand, a lot of the engineers and scientists who said, well, evolution disproves everything about God and um, who needs God and, and science is the answer to everything. Um, when that's just not true. And so having those conversations with my friends and colleagues is what really got me into it, because I didn't know how to have that conversation. So I started studying. Um, just, you know, I would encounter the question, I would get so frustrated, because I, was, I don't know how to answer that in a way that they will understand. And so I'm having to back up and read through those things. And the more I read, it was amazing, because it was the more my faith grew that Whereas, you know, a lot of people in the church think, well, now you're just trying to rely on evidence instead of faith. But really, it's the evidence underneath our faith that builds up our faith. And, and when you see the truth about Christianity from that foundation perspective, um, it really increases your faith and grows your confidence in, in what you're seeing. And really, that's what faith is, as defined in Hebrews 11.1, 1, that it's, you know, being confident and sure of what you do not see. And so that's what kind of grew that for me.
1: Was there one question that you always got? Was there a was there a group of questions that seemed, that you got when you were working in those fields? I was it more like design questions, or was it more problems of pain questions? What do you think the one question you got more often than not?
0: Um, I think the one I encountered the most was about Darwinian evolution, okay. and you know, a lot of times people put that out there, even though. You know, deep underneath that is the question about evil and suffering, or why did this happen to me in my life? Or, you know, um, almost it's almost hiding a moral argument against God. But the one that I came across the most most was Darwinian evolution. And so that's why um, I was just devouring all of these, you know, really nerdy books, (laughs) just on my own curiosity and wanting to study and understand um, the science underneath why we know Darwinian evolution does not work. Um, and so that's what really. But but I got some other interesting questions that really um, drove me into studying scripture even more. Um, as I you know I had a really close friend who was Jewish, um, but almost more atheist than Jewish. And so those were a lot of deep questions about scriptures and about you know what does the Old Testament actually say about the Trinity and about Satan and about. In um, times, and how do we reconcile that with what we believe is the New Testament? So those are some really interesting questions that I had to really dig in and, and research for myself. But I, I guess as I started studying and I'm, I'm sitting in church looking at the, the youth group beside me, and, and I realized they are just as clueless as how to answer those questions as I had been. And it's not because those questions don't have answers. It's because it's just not being efficiently taught in the church To prepare them, um, not just for when they encounter those questions from friends and colleagues and and classmates, but um, when they have those own questions and doubts for themselves, you know, how do they answer that question for themselves of how do I know that there really is a God? How do I know that it is the Christian God and not Hinduism and Buddhism or or Islam? And are those equally valid? So those are really important things that we need to be teaching inside the church as well. And so that's kind of where it started.
1: What's fun about people like you, uh, and people I like to surround myself with, you know, I like to surround myself with, with people that, that are doers. Um, I like thoughtful people. I like reflective people, but I really like people that see a problem, uh, analyze a problem and then they want to fix a problem. And that's a very engineering kind of thing, right? (laughs) Well, for somebody like you, you see a problem and the first thing you, you think, you know, most people see a problem and they bemoan it, they lament it, and they go on with your life. Uh, for those that are listening, not only did she see a problem, she analyzed a problem, and then you wrote a book about the problem, right? And, um, <laughs> That's and this, right. So you have a book called Teaching Others to Defend Christianity, What Every Christian uh, Should Know. And in, in fact, I believe it was a finalist uh, for some sort of award. So tell me the background of why you decided to write a book, a Christian apologetic book.
0: right. Uh, well, I think also sometimes God has a sense of humor of where He's going to take our path, someplace that we never intend. If you had asked me before that if I would ever write a book, I would have said that's ridiculous. I'm, I'm the science engineering nerd. We don't write books. Right? <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. Um, I think it, it it just kind of grew out of. I started teaching um, the youth at the church because, like I said, problem that I saw, and I wanted to dive in and, and try to help that and try to give them. Um, some understanding of how to address these questions before they get out into the world and they're hit with all of those questions. But I'd studied so many books, and um, I only had, I think, about six weeks, um, six different class meetings, if if you will, to sit down with the youth. And so, I mean, how do you take mere Christianity and can man live without God and Jesus among other gods and um, the case for Christ, and you teach that in six weeks? So I wanted to try to boil it down to what are the essential things that they really have to know before they get out? And if I've only got, you know, one hour a night, what, how can I, what's the narrative that we're trying to get across to them? Because you can't just spit data at them and expect them to memorize scientific studies and quote this person and that person. They need to have it where they can put it in their minds and see this completes the path of going from questioning everything does God exist to actually landing in Christianity. And so that to me is the very engineering methodical approach to to apologetics is you have to first know that there's a God. And because that was what I encountered the most, I spent more time on that. I spent three lessons with the youth on that um, because you can't move forward unless you know there is a God. Um, But then which God? is it so to me that you know kind of the fourth lesson pulls in okay so we have all kinds of different religions that are offering their solution to this deity who's right and we do have to know that we're not all right when we we all contradict each other and so how do we know that Christianity is true God out of all these other gods the world offers and then from that we have to figure out okay well if all of that hinges on the way that Jesus did well who was Jesus really and kind of you have to in there um, have confidence in the Bible because that's another question I got a lot: is why would you trust the Bible if it's just written by um, a bunch of people, a bunch of men? It's been changed every time, and we can't trust what it says now. Um, it came down like broken telephone. And so you have to understand how to um, how to engage in those kinds of questions and how to to trust the reliability of the Scriptures. So that was kind of how the the six lessons to me like the the critical things that you need to take with you. Um, And of course, from that, you can obviously dive into a lot more depth in each of the topics, but this is just the main idea. And how do we get it in a conversational level? It can't just stay in the world of academia, because you have to be able to talk about it with your friends. And so if you don't know it in that conversational way that you can discuss it over a cup of coffee, then all that data and knowledge hasn't done, it, it hasn't fulfilled its purpose. So that was kind of the structure of it. And as I, you know, several years was teaching this through the youth, um, eventually I started teaching it to a women's group and another church asked have teach. And I thought, oh, wow, I actually need to make sure all my sources are cited and <laughs> references are tracked and everything. And so I thought, well, I'll just see if um, it would be, I would love to teach everywhere that I could, but I'm only one person, who can only travel so far. So what if I put it in a book and that way other places could teach through these six lessons as well? And that's, that's really how it got into the book. I didn't even, you know, start off the journey wanting to write a book. It just kind of grew from that. And I wanted a, a tool that other churches could take and use and, and teach through.
1: So, and when was the book written? Was 2016? Is that when it that was, was Yeah, it
0: came out in March, 2016.
1: Okay. But since 2016, what is, is there anything that you've I mean, how have you grown since then in the area of apologetics, especially in the in light of a lot of the world's troubles today? Um, are I mean, what do you think about where the Christian apologetic movement is? I don't even know if you reflect like that, but for somebody like me, I'm I'm thinking big picture all the time. What are the big questions? I mean, the fundamental questions are always going to be there. Um, right. but what do you think about in light of the world in the way that the world is today? What do you think some of the big apologetic, specific apologetic questions that we need to be ready for?
0: Well, I think um, it comes to me, I would put it into two categories. Um, and interestingly, it's it's two things that, that I would like to have some follow-on books if I, you know, if the ministry continues in that direction to address these two questions. Again, kind of in that teaching format of how I did my first book. But I think the question of, of God's existence and suffering, mm-hmm. of course, is, especially with everything that we have going on current events wise. Um, but it really doesn't matter what the, what the true current event is. Suffering and evil is always a part of our world. And that I think is what bothers people the most on a global scale of, you know, why did this atrocity happen over there? But on a personal level, why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to that person who seems so good? Because we still have this um, incorrect mindset that suffering is linked to our behavior. And it's not. And so but we but we see or not always. Um, sometimes it is, but but not always. And so I think it's important for us to one have the big apologetics understanding that suffering does not mean that there's not a God. In fact, suffering, our our ability to identify suffering confirms that we know the difference between good and evil. And we can only do that if there is that moral lawgiver. So so that actually confirms that there must be some God that's given us the sense of what should and should not be. But then I think uh, within that, inside the church, among believers, we need to have a good understanding of those reasons why we suffer. And, I, and again, I think it's something that the church needs to teach to believers because biblically, we have so many examples of different instances of suffering, and they're not always for the same reason. So you can't just point and say, oh, suffering is because you've done bad things. Well, not always. Um, look at this. Look at Job. Um, look at Jonah. Their, their suffering was not because of bad things, but two different, two different things. And and Jesus addresses that a lot when the disciples come and say, you know, why is this man blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And he says, well, neither, so that the works of God could be revealed in him. So there's all kinds of different biblical reasons why we might suffer. Sometimes it is our bad decisions. Sometimes it's just because it's a fallen world that we live in. Sometimes it's just the bad decisions of those around us. Right? We don't live in a bubble, so when you sin, it affects me as well, even though I've not been the one that made that choice. But then we all know that that God is working all these things to teach us, to discipline us, to grow us, to test us, which those testings do strengthen our faith. And so I think that would be an important thing for um, for the church to really sink into and and give us an understand give give believers an understanding of a proper biblical context of understanding suffering so that when we walk into it or when those around us walk into it, we have, that's not going to completely dismantle our faith and our understanding of God because God is God, no matter what our circumstances look like. You know, our, our circumstances don't change who God is and his goodness or his justice. So I think that would be, a, you know, the next big thing. The sure. other one would be Darwinian evolution. Again, I always sure. end up back at that one because I think that is the foundation of atheism right now. And that's um, such flawed science that as a scientist, as an engineer, it bothers me too. But especially as a Christian and to see how that misleads an unsuspecting um, people who, who, to me, my heart breaks for the people who aren't going to research that and understand what, is act, what does the science actually say. And so they're left at, you know, well, the textbook said it was true, so I guess it's just true. And so we have to counter that in the real way. And again, the church needs to teach that and, you know, teach the science behind it inside the church.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We see all the issues that are going on in the world and people like me and you who are interested in the, in the background worldviews and philosophies. Uh, people don't understand that a lot of these things are undercurrent all the other issues that are going on. Uh, we all know that these marxist leanings uh is a is a Darwinian approach to how we view suffering and how we view each other in terms of our identity uh where we go in terms of destiny where we've come from uh, so you're yeah that it's a perfect and i think it's a perfect way to look at it and and I think that's what i've been trying to do and what you've been trying to do through your ministry. Is to get the Christians to see problems, uh, is see problems. Maybe not first, because there's a spiritual element to all these issues. But there mm-hmm. is undercurrent on these issues, also these these bad philosophies that we have to encounter, uh, we have to think about, we have to capture, and then we have to go out there and help people think things through. Uh, so, yeah, I think both of those things are, are 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 you know, in terms of Darwinian approach and the mm-hmm. problem of suffering. I think you're spot on on both of those things. Uh, so as we wrap this up, tell me a little bit about more of your ministry. Tell me about what you're doing now. One of the other things that I really enjoyed talking to you about uh, the last couple of times that we have met is is uh, your devotion to your family. Uh, so so it looks like you were just like you're just like my wife. You know you you have a, uh, a great skill set that you've honed in education, but you also have a devotion to your family. Uh, and it sounds like you have a devotion to your church life. All these things are important. But how does your ministry fit into this? So tell me a little bit about Defend the Faith ministry.
0: Well, um, the, uh, yes, God continues to have a sense of humor as my career continues to move and change. So um, when I left the engineering field, it was to stay at home with my firstborn born son. And so that was um, eight and a half years ago. Goodness. Mm. And so um, through that, though, I was able to really focus the ministry and, and devote time that I needed to, to write the book and, and to, to begin this ministry really to help encourage other people. And like you said, to help highlight the worldview that's really impacting everything um, that we see around us and, and how we react to the things that we see around us. And, uh, and so then I ended up teaching, like you said earlier, uh, at a Christian school for two years, which was interesting because I got to teach AP Calculus and I got to mm-hmm. teach apologetics.
1: Mm-hmm. So it
0: was this weird merging of my ministry and my engineering brain, I guess. Um, and so since then, though, God has called me to homeschool. So I now this past year was homeschooling uh, my two boys. They were in first and second grade. Um, all of that before the, the coronavirus show. Of everything. So we were kind of already um, rolling with with schooling at home. And I'm still teaching the the math classes with our homeschool community that we're involved in. So so I still get a, a little bit of that. But uh, this, you know, I, I love to go into churches and, and speak and I've a couple of women's conferences. Um, I've actually did a couple of book studies through my book, I, even through uh, the month of May over Zoom. It's been an interesting blessing in disguise that here we have this technology that can be used for good that we have at our disposal that when churches shut down now suddenly it's not weird to have your Sunday school class over the computer. And so you can have all kinds of different guest speakers tap into that because they're all on the internet anyway. And so I've been able to speak to a couple of churches in Dallas and um, a reasonable faith organization in Chicago and, and the course is a couple of local churches. So uh, I was actually really busy this May with with trying to speak at these different places, even though I was able to do it, you know, from the comfort of my own home. Um, but then I like to continue to write, so that's that's really what the the website continues to do. I, I like to write some articles about different ways of thinking about current events and and really encouraging and challenging folks to, to look at what does the Bible say our response to them should be, because I think a lot of times we always want to respond emotionally to things and how does that make you feel when we need to stop and say, well, what does the Bible say about this issue and how we are to respond? Because that's not always how we feel, right? Our feelings are very, can be very fleshly. But how is it that we're supposed to respond um, with the power of the Holy Spirit? And what is it that God is calling us to respond like, which um, requires us to put those feelings aside a lot?
1: so those of you are listening to tactical faith radio or tactical or tactical faith podcast you can see why i was so impressed by her go to defend the she also if you want to go to amazon uh she has teaching others defend christianity what every christian should know and in fact i'm looking at your website now um you should go it's a great great clean website that has a lot of resources and videos and it even looks like you can contact her directly. I mean, here at Tactical Faith, we especially want to support those that are in the state of Alabama, even though we support everybody. And we are so happy that you're in our state. We're so happy that you, you have written an article for us in the past and hope that we can partner with you in any way that we can. And thank you so much for coming on.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. So thanks.